Kedushin, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Gimel 1.3. And now the Mishnah talks about the Kenyanim regarding an Evid Kanani. Now, an Evid Kanani is a real slave. In the previous Mishnah, I had translated the Evid Ivri as a slave because that's the conventional translation. But there, he's really a Jew who's like an indentured servant, right? He's called an Evid because he can be forced to work against his will. But his person isn't owned. And in truth is that he essentially has a limited scope in terms of how long he's working before he's like necessarily going to be set free. When it comes to an Evid Kanani, a real bona fide owned slave, so that person is owned, his person is owned, and he has no opening necessarily to be ever emancipated. He's in servitude um, in perpetuity, ongoing basis. So while it has to be said that the Torah really, um, in many places, and like almost like the entire Torah, stands um, for the value of, of autonomy and independence and, and the importance of a person being an autonomous, independent, free person, a Ben-Chorin. And um, we emphasized that in the previous mission a little bit. Um, the Torah also recognizes that all ancient societies, uh, without exception, had had slaves as part of their economy. And um, whether or not the Torah thinks that's a, that's a, it's a good idea, a fair idea, a great idea, um, it's certainly a, a reality. So the Torah here is dealing with the reality of people owning people, and there's a possibility of a Jew owning a person. Um, and although that seems rather reprehensible to us, um, as I think it should, uh, that doesn't mean it's not a, a legal possibility. So the mission here is discussing how to deal with that legal possibility. Now, what does it look like to be an Evid Kanani? I want to make sure it's clear. So the male version, Evid Kanani, female version is called Shifcha Kananis. Um, they both essentially mean Canaanite slave. And the term Canaanite has nothing to do with the fact they're from Canaan or anything like that at all. It simply means a non-Jewish um, slave. Uh the reason why the term Kana'ani is used is because there was a certain person named Kana'an, that's a grandchild of, of Noah, and um, the Pasuk says that he's cursed, that he will be a, a slave, Evid Avadim Yela Echav, he'll be a slave to his brothers, and therefore the appellation of Evid Kana'ani is because of that. But it means any person who is uh, owned, in this case by a Jew, um, as, a, as an Evid proper, as a slave, male or female. So such a person, when a Jew acquires them, so they have to, if they're male, undergo circumcision. Um, and then if they're, if not a female, of course, and then they are immersed in a mikvah to become an Evid. And an Evid is like a quasi-Jew. That means to say they keep uh, the mitzvahs like a like a Jewish woman. So they're exempt from mitzvahs asher shazman So they're not wearing tzitzis and they're not um, shaking lulav, but they certainly are keeping Shabbos and keeping, keeping kosher. Um, so... That's the case, um, and one's really not to keep a Evid Kanani if he's not going to be behaving properly according to the halacha. And then um, we'll talk about how they get freed. If an Evid Kanani is freed, so essentially he immediately becomes a Jew. According to the Rambam, he needs a immersion in tefillah, like to complete the Geras process. But the bottom line is, the once the the Evid Kanani is is emancipated, he becomes a full blown Jew. So the becoming an Evid Kanani is like becoming like a quasi half Jew, whatever that means. Okay, so the question is, so how does the Kenyan work? How does it, how does a Evid Kanani get acquired? So because the Pasuk says, osam it refers to um, a slave, Evid Kanani is passing on like as, a, as part of the, the family estate as an achuza, and the word achuza uh, refers like to like a real estate holdings. So that Evid Kanani is treated also like real estate in terms of the modes in which by which he can be acquired. So as we'll see in the next mission, there are certain modes of Kenyan, um, Kesef, Shtar, and Chazaka, which apply to 
real estate. So they also apply for an Evid. And that's the point of our mission here. By starting out, it says, Evid Kanani Nikna Bechesef Uvishtar Uvachazaka. Those three modes of acquisition. Um, Kesef is money. That means that a, the purchaser gives you know something of value to the seller. It doesn't need to be the full value of the slave, the full purchase price, but something of value, kind of like the giving the ring to acquire the uh, the wife, um, which affects the sale. Uh, a star is a contract, so kind of like real estate, where the buyer ends up with a contract. So so too, um, uh, the buyer will end up like a like, like a deed that says he owns this uh, this slave. And chazaka, chazaka means an act which shows that this, um, that treats the person as a slave to show he is a slave. So that would mean that the, uh, the person who's buying the slave tells the slave to do something which indicates he's a slave. So, for example, it makes him tie his shoe. We, I, I don't know if, I can't remember if I did speak it out, but an Evid, um, every a Jewish slave, a Jewish bondsman, whatever you call it, a Jewish indentured servant, is not allowed to be told to do things like that. Because um, it's not a slave in truth, but here indicative of what he means to be a slave, the the purchased Evid Kanani will be, you know, can be acquired by having him do some kind of act which indicates he is a slave. So, in front of the previous owner, the new owner says, "Tie my shoes, carry my stuff, you know, wash my hair, whatever the story is, carry me on your back to the mikvah, whatever the story is." Those would all be acts of chazaka. That doesn't say there aren't other modes of Kenyan that would apply for an Evid. Um, the truth is that other modes would work, like if you physically take them along um, with you, like Mashiach, or you do Chalipin, you exchange them, other kinds of Ma'asa um, Kinyanam acts that affect transactions that we'll see later in Mishnahis. But these three are the ones that are specific to real estate, and the point is here, um, those are the ones we're focused on over here. Vakones Atzmo, the Evid reacquires his freedom. He's emancipated in one of two ways. Um, those are going to be a kesef with money, meaning essentially he's, he's bought by somebody else, or the money's given um, to effect just freedom, even if the person who's paying the money is doing it for the sake of freeing the slave, or through a shtar, uh, a contract, which basically says, you know, kind of very, the, very much like the the get crisis, the bill of divorce for a woman ending a marriage, that there's this like... Um, does get shechrur? There's like a contract of severance, an emancipation bill, um, which the slave gets to free him. Now the question is the mechanics of that. So we have a big machlokas here, um, two machlokas primarily. Uh, so the, the simple reading of the mission is that there's two shitas, and we'll go with that. I was sending another reading of that in the Gemara. So you have um, says the Mishnah kones atmo he reacquires himself, meaning his own freedom, bekesef with money aliyadei through a third party, meaning according to the shita, this is Rabbi Meir. The Evid is simply an extension of his master, and therefore there's no way, there's no legal way you can give money to the to the Evid and say, use this to buy your freedom from your master. Impossible, legally impossible. As soon as the money enters the hand of the Evid, regardless of what stipulations the person who's like his benefactor might be making, like you can't give this to your master unless, doesn't matter. The Evid is simply an extension of his master. It's like his master's pocket, and therefore you put it in the Evid's hand, it becomes the master's automatically. And therefore the money has to be Ali Dayacherim, says Rabbi Meir, through somebody else, meaning that the person who's buying the freedom of the slave has to give the money directly to the master and not through the slave's hand. And or a star can be given to the Evid um, that says you're free. This is, you know, with this contract now you are a free man. But it has to be then given. Um, directly from the master to the slave himself. It can't be done uh, through a third party, says Reb Meir. And the reason why is because we've discussed elsewhere that there's such a 
there's a phenomenon of zechia, that a person can acquire something on the behalf of another person. So if you are walking through the street, you see a shiny rock you think I'll love, and you pick it up and you say, this is a rock for my friend, so then that can acquire the rock for me. But you only can be zocha and adam shalobofanav. You can only benefit a person without his consent if it's a benefit. If what you're doing is actually um, a potential disadvantage, a chov, like a, someone that you might not want, so then you can't do it without his consent. And says Rabbi Meir, this is Rabbi Meir Shita, the Eved um, really is not necessarily going to be excited about being emancipated because while he is an, a slave, so he is supported by his master and he has sort of a life of Fafkeras. So he can sort of do what he wants in terms of you know promiscuity and that kind of thing. He's not really a part of civil, orderly society and bound by those strictures. And therefore, it's very possible that he likes his life as it is. And um, says Ramir, therefore, you can't be, you can't give the the get shechru or the the shtar, the contract to a third party, because who says that everyone wants to be freed? That's Ramir's position. The chacham, the chacham disagree, and they are saying and this is the halacha: bekesef aladei atzmo, the money to achieve the emancipation, the freedom of the slave, can be given directly into the hand of the evid, as long as, as the mission will say, as long as it's given to him. On condition that the master shouldn't acquire it, if you held by the, the the slave's hands only as a conduit to give it to buy his freedom, that would work. There's such a possibility, so that's okay. Says the chachamim. and the star can be even given to a third party. Meaning, according to the chachamim, a person's freedom is always a zechus; it's always a net benefit. And the side issue about you know the life of debauchery that Evid might live is totally, um, you know. Over its eclipse is totally overshadowed by the benefit of being a free man, and therefore it's for sure a benefit for the slave to be free. And therefore, you can even free the slave by accepting a get shechru or the emancipation document on his behalf without him knowing about it, because it's for sure a benefit him. For sure, he wants says the chachamim, and that's the halacha. And the Mishnah says ubilvad when it comes to kesef ubilvad sheha kesef The source of the funds has to be from a third party who's giving it to the slave to buy his freedom. And putting conditions on it that this, the, he's giving the money to the slave only to buy his freedom, not that it should become the master's. Meaning, if the slave himself is walking through the street and he finds a winning lottery ticket, um, so then it, when he, as soon as he picks it up, it's automatically his master's. So there's no way a slave can find the lottery ticket and then use that to buy his freedom because whatever he is, receives as a gift or finds automatically becomes his master's. It's only when the person who's giving the money says it on condition that the master shouldn't acquire it, that can work according to the Chachamim, as opposed to Rabbi Meir, and the Allah is like the Chachamim.